You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This podcast series is based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. In our last session, those of you that were uh, with us, and I would encourage you, if you were not in our last session, to go back and listen to it, our last episode. We were talking about George Floyd, and we got over into abuse of authority, and we talked about accountability, and we talked about a, a lot of different things. I don't have the time to go back into that uh I want you, it's still on my Facebook page, uh, you can still get it, uh, but I want you to go back if you didn't hear it, uh, but I want to talk, I want to, you know, I want to talk about something else today. I, uh, uh, I want to talk about how did we get here. I, I want to talk about how did we get here. I was watching an ABC, channel ABC uh, news special entitled, How Did We Get Here? And in that special, they were talking about all the things uh, with police and and, uh, policing methods, all the things and all the episodes and all the situations and all the instances that led up to uh, the tragic death of George Floyd. Okay, when I heard that, I, I thought about this. They were talking about how natural situations progressed or degressed to the point where we had that thing, that tragic death. When I heard how did we get here? I thought about the church. I thought about the body of Christ. I thought thought about Christianity. I thought about us. I thought about you. I thought about believers. And I just want to ask that question, how did we get here? You asked amazing questions in our last session, and I, I, I want you to continue to ask questions, continue to send your questions in, uh, some questions, there uh, was not enough detail. There were not enough details for me to give a, a real good answer. And then some questions I'll answer as we go along because now it's, it's expanded. I got other things I want to talk about. The Spirit of God is leading me to talk about. So continue to ask your questions. No question is a bad question. Uh, I'll try to get to them at the end. We're going to have a session, if you want that, where I don't talk so long. In fact, that session, I'm going to let you send questions in during the podcast and send questions in ahead of the podcast. And we'll just talk about, we'll just do Q&A the whole session. I won't do a lot of teaching except from the questions. Now, Uh, Some questions have been asked of me about what I think about what's happening in a local church in our city. 
and, and there's some racial things going on there and some tension going on there. And I choose deliberately not to get in those conversations, number one, because I don't have information and I would be talking outside of my knowledge, which is unwise. Secondly, I don't have spiritual jurisdiction. I, I pastor a large church, but that does not give me the authority to speak into that particular situation. So personally, I don't get into that. I think others are discussing it, but I don't personally get into that. Uh, I'm dealing with broader issues. I pray about that situation as I hear things. I pray about the pastor, pray about the, church, the saints, pray about the members because it's the body of Christ and I should pray. But I'm dealing with, with things that uh, are much broader, uh, you know, this issue of race. So today, uh, we're going to try to answer questions it's hard to have an intelligent discussion when you don't know what the subject is. And we're not on the same page as it relates to race. So I want to answer the question or attempt to answer the question, what is racism? Is there equality in the church? Really? What is the big lie? These are the questions we want. What is the big lie that has kept the church in indifference? What is the infection rate of racism in the body of Christ? Is there a vaccine for us? We know everybody's trying to come up with a vaccine for uh, the world, but is there a vaccine for us, the church? And what are the roadblocks to us getting that vaccine? Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to try to be transparent today. I always try to be transparent today. But this whole issue of race is troubling to me. I feel sometimes like I do uh, when I'm uh, preaching or eulogizing a member, a funeral at funerals, I feel this pull. I feel gladness that the believer was a Christian and to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So I feel great about that person. But then when I look at the family, I feel the pain. That's the way I feel about this situation, about race, and especially race in the church. I have this huge excitement. I'm so glad about the legal protests in our, in our uh, society in America and really globally. I'm very excited about the fact that there are, are, are whites and blacks and a lot of white people and, uh, and young people are in the streets and they're talking about equality. And I think that's healthy. Push off the side the rise and looting, but think about the fact that there's a lot of diversity of people saying that that is right. Equality is right for everybody. You know what saddens me, though? What saddens me is that God has been forced to go outside of the church to use the youth is returning again. During the civil rights movement, young people were in the streets. Young people were leading. 
Well, sound like God is doing the same thing. He's raising up young people to lead us. And it saddens me that we can't lead in this. We can march, we can protest, but we can't lead in the area of racism and equality. We can't do it because we're in quarantine. I'll talk about that a little later. So remember, you don't have to agree with anything that I say. I respect your right to disagree. You have a right to disagree. I'm not always right. I don't have all wisdom and all knowledge. So I welcome any disagreement you may have. But what is, what is racism? The question was asked about what is, is there a difference between prejudice and racism? Well, I have two children that my wife and I gave birth to, Michael and Tiffany. And Michael and Tiffany are our offsprings. But Michael and Tiffany are not us. They're our offsprings. Well, prejudice is the offspring of racism. Prejudice means to prejudge. Prejudice, and we're talking about racial prejudice, it is a preconceived negative opinion of others based off of hearsay, false information, and generalizations. It's the offspring of racism. But what is racism? I have two very powerful definitions. In some areas, I, I can't slow down. You're going to have to go back in your groups, pull the definitions apart, discuss the definitions, and I believe it will be a blessing to you. So what is racism? Racism, number one, is the belief. It is a belief that race and skin color accounts for differences in human character, intelligence, ability, beauty that results in partiality toward one group of people and prejudice against another. Now, I'm going to say that again, and then I, I'm, I'm going to spend just a second here, but it's, it's so insightful, the definition. Racism is the belief that race and skin color accounts for differences in human character, intelligence, ability, and beauty that results in partiality toward one race and prejudice toward another. In other words, it's, it's a belief that the color of a person's skin or the person's race accounts for differences. In other words, when you see a person, a black person or a white person, do you attribute character? Do you just see a person without any information and you, you attribute that they are this way? That this, this is how they 
behave. And if you make any adjustments or draw away or pull your purse in or walk on the other side or divide yourself based off skin color, based off race, you have attributed a character to all races based off some belief or some information that you've received. And that would be true of intelligence. When you look at these people, do you think intelligence? These people are more intelligent, less intelligent. When you think of ability, which you want this group of people on your team rather than this group of people on your team. When you think of, when you think of beauty, do you think this group of people have beauty? This group of people doesn't have beauty. What do you think? In other words, what do you believe? And, uh, and, and it's based off a lot of generalizations, negative preconceived negative opinions. Second definition is I, uh, I got this definition, um, and I, I, I think it's a very good definition from Claude Anderson. He's an author. He, here's what he said, and I thought it was really beautiful. He said that racism is a power relationship, a power relationship or struggle between groups of people who are competing for resources and political power. I'll say that again. He said that racism is a power relationship. And if it's a power relationship and if it's a struggle between groups of people who are competing for resources, competing for political power, if that's true, then surface talk Oh, I'm not a racist. Oh, oh I love everybody. Uh, I got black friends. I got white friends. If it is a power relationship it, and if it's a struggle and if in the intrinsic nature of racism, it is about resources and it's about political power, then we've got to dig deep in this. We do all of the protesting, legal protesting, but there's something the church is going to have to grapple with, and we've got to get deep into this. Political power, when you heard the term political power, I'm quite sure you thought politics, and you probably thought government. It would include that, but political power is the ability to control behavior. It's the ability to control behavior and people and influence outcomes is the ability to control, ability to control, the ability to control the behavior of people, the behavior of people, and influence the outcomes of events. Influence the outcomes of events. How? Through the passage, approval, and implementation of laws and regulations. It is the ability, political power is the ability to control the behavior of people and influence the outcome of events through the passage, approval, and implementation of laws and regulations. I had a comment that was given. Now, in some places, I'm going to move kind of fast. 
because we're not going to complete, complete it today. But I had a comment that was made by one of you. You sent a, a wonderful comment. I thought it was a great comment. This person said racism also has a root in mammon related to wealth and greed. Many feel like being fair means that we will lose money and power. The spirit of greed drives many of the decisions related to racism. That's what a person wrote in. I, I thought that was absolutely important. To understand racism, though, we have to sometimes bring in things that we can identify, things that we can relate to, things that we have seen in the news or experienced on, uh, through media. Uh, someone uh, wrote in, some of you wrote in, and you were talking about Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, uh, four years ago, also four years ago, the former San Francisco 49ers quarterback, you were talking, you sent this question in, decided to kneel during the national anthem, NFL national anthem. It was a legal protest, and I agree with you, this is what you said, I agree with you, for racial injustice and police brutality. That's what the kneeling was about. It was a protest. They, these athletes were using their platform to protest inequality, injustice, and police brutality. Now, President Trump, and we have to talk about him, not, not to lambast him. I'm not trying to lambast him, but I am going to talk about him. He's our leader. So President Trump changed the narrative. He changed the narrative to dishonor of country. Dishonor of country. Vice President Pence seconded the motion, went to an NFL game, where he knew players would be kneeling, and he established a counter-protest by walking out of the game before the game was played. Now, 32 NFL owners submitted to that pressure and banned, we're talking about political power now, but we're not talking about government per se, banned, the kneeling it, uh, on the anthem, when the anthem is played in a game. They banned that. And also, apparently, and, you know, everybody got their side, made a decision that Kaepernick was not good for the league. So he hadn't played in it, even though he, most people agree, is or was as good as NFL players, quarterbacks that are already playing, that are active. Okay, okay. Just recently, the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, admitted that the NFL was wrong for not allowing players to protest in a legal way in a peaceful way. That was the commissioner. The a former NFL executive, Joe Lockhart, acknowledged that Cap, referring to Kaepernick, was bad for business. 
That was what a former NFL executive said. Okay, okay, we're talking about race and relationships. Okay, so the question now, we have to ask ourselves, and I'm talking to the church. I'm really not talking to the world. I'm talking to us. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to believers. Okay. Was that just an issue of bad business? Was the decision really a business decision or was it racism? Okay. If we cannot honestly say it was racism, then we haven't gotten to the root of the problem. Because to say that we were wrong, to say that we were wrong, and nothing is done as it relates to not just Kaepernick, but nothing is done in terms of acknowledging it, then we're into rhetoric and we're into talking and we cannot solve it. Okay, just wanted to bring that out. Here's a PowerPoint, a PowerPoint, and then we got to hurry and get to some of our other questions. Here's a PowerPoint. Write this down. Make a note of it. I am talking to the church. I'm not talking to sinners. I'm not talking to the media. I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to believers. Here's a thing to write down. Racism can occur at both an unconscious and conscious level and can be both active and passive. I'll say that again. Racism can occur at both an unconscious and conscious level and can be both active and passive. In other words, racism can occur when I'm consciously trying to hold on to my power and, and, and I'm con consciously attempting to hold people down, okay? But it can also occur at an unconscious level. It can occur in a active level where White people don't like black people and black people don't like white people. It can be very active. Well, we curse each other out or it can be passive. Where we can see something that's not right and say nothing. So the question is, how did we get here? How, how did we? How did we get on the sideline? How did we get infected? How, how did we uh, enter into quarantine? Why is it that we, the church, we can't talk about race. We don't talk about race. We don't preach about race. We don't have sermons about race. We talk about everything else, but we, if the average pastor, black or white, red, yellow, brown, would look at their resource they're, they're teaching resource and ask themselves, okay, how many sermon series have I preached on race and racism and all that? How many sermon series? Not talk. Not, I ain't talking about rhetoric. I'm not talking about, oh, I don't, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how many series? That's a black pastor talking to a predominantly uh, black congregation. How many series has that black pastor taught on race and racism? How many series has that white pastor taught 
on race and rela relations. I'm, on, I'm talking about a series. I ain't talking about rhetoric. I'm not talking about talking. I'm talking about series. How did we get here? There's another question we have to answer. Is there equality in Christ? Yes, there is. The scripture says in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, the New King James Version, Acts 17, 26, it says, and he, referring to God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. God made all of us from one blood, the Bible says. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Galatians 3, verse 28, in the Message Bible, it says, in Christ's family, praise the Lord, in Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female, so we can say black and white, among us. That's what the scripture says. There can be no division among us. Watch this. You are all equal. That's what the Message Bible says about us Christians. We are all equal. Black, white, red, yellow, brown. We are all equal. So when we look at the Bible, we see equality. We see that there is complete equality in the body of Christ. Complete equality. When we look at the Bible, we see that the church, as God intended for the church to be, was raceless. See, in the body of Christ, we are raceless. In the body of Christ, we are a new creation. God did something special. We're not just like everybody else. We are a new creation. We are a new species. We have a divine ethnicity. Wow. You see, Christianity, watch this now, Christianity fully embraced and lived out leads to equality. I'll say that again. Christianity fully embraced and lived out leads to equality. Racism fully embraced and lived out leads to inferiority and superiority. So the question is, how did we get here? My God, how, how did the church get here? Some people are saying, well, where the church at? Where the church at? Where the pastors at? Where the pastors at? Okay, I tell you where we are. I'm talking spiritually now. We're in quarantine. We're hooked to respirators. We're trying to make it so we can't participate. Because, see, we're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. So we cannot participate right now. We cannot lead right now. So God has been forced to use these young, beautiful people, black and white people out there, because we, but how did we get here? How did we get here? I think the re, one of the ways we got here is the big lie 
that has kept the church in indifference, the big lie. Say that, the big lie. Come on, say the big lie. Come on, say the big lie. Come on, say it again. The big lie. Come on, say it. Put some emphasis with it. Come on, say it. The big lie. Come on, say it. The big lie. Well, I, I think that the big lie is found over in Genesis chapter 9, verse 18 through 27. Genesis chapter 9, verse 18 through 27. Genesis chapter 9, verse 18 through 27. Now, I heard, and I listened, you know, the reason we can't get to the bottom of this because we, we won't face it. I heard a white man recently argue against people connecting him to slavery. He said in so many words, I didn't have any slaves. I didn't have anything. Don't hold me responsible for that. In a way, I think that white people, I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking to the world now. I think white Christians don't think it's necessary to talk about the past. They don't think it's necessary to talk about what happened he said, don't hold me. And, and you know, C.S. Lewis says something, too. And, and part of it is so true, but then it, it's lacking in some areas. C.S. Lewis says, you cannot go back to the past and change it. But you can start with where you are. He, he said, you cannot go to the past, listen, and change the beginning but you can start, C.S. Lewis says, at where you are and change the ending. Now, there is some truth to that, that we cannot go to the back and change it. We can't go back to the past and change it, but we can go back to the past and learn from it. You see, we can go back to the past and learn from it. And it's not just white people that think like that. I think there's a lot of black people that think the same way. You, for example, you know, uh, there was a movie recently, Harriet Tubman movie, and boy, it was awesome. I think everybody should watch it. The black folk, white folk, everybody should watch it. But even some young black kids don't even think we don't want to go to a movie like that. That's kind of boring. So even some blacks don't want or feel a connection to what happened or a need to talk about what happened. But even in the field of counseling and psychology, you know, I'm not a professional counselor, I'm not a professional, but I counsel people and I do realize that sometimes we're talking to people and they're talking surface issues. They're sitting there and they're talking surface issues but we can't help them because we know that a lot of what they're experiencing right now had to do with what happened in their past. A person sitting on my sofa, on my couch, talking about the trauma of bad relationships, their emotions, their inferiority, and all that kinds of stuff. But when we get deeper into it, we realize that there was some child abuse. 
So the child abuse, that knowledge of the child abuse is critical to me being able to help the individual. On the other hand, when I heard the guy talking about, you know, that ain't me, I didn't do that. Well, God doesn't think like that. God doesn't think. It's logic, but it's not the way God thinks. You know why I know God doesn't think about the past not being relevant? Because he gave us a book of beginnings. He gave us the book of Genesis so that we would know what the past was like. And he showed us the fall. He showed how we messed up. He showed us that God didn't start in the New Testament talking about what Jesus did and Jesus died. And Je we won't even understand the need for Jesus' death if we don't understand the fall. So what God did, he gave us a book of beginnings so that we can understand what happened in the past so that we could begin to correct some things because a lot of times how people are acting out, black and whites, are related to things that happened in the past. Okay, the big lie. The big lie. In verses 25 through 26, Genesis 9, verses 25 through 26, he, and he, it says, and he said, curse be Canaan. This was Noah. He got drunk. And the Bible says that when he woke up, he saw what his younger son had done to him. And the Bible says he cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shem and Canaan shall be his servant. Verses 25 through 26. Okay. Prejudiced Christian men, ministers, use that text to substantiate racial prejudice and legitimize slavery. They made several claims, talking about ministers, talking about Christians now, they made several claims from Genesis 9, 25 through 26. The first claim they made was that God cursed Ham, the father of black people, that God did it. Now, there's no truth to it. Read the text. You will see nowhere in the text that God cursed Ham. Nowhere in the text. Nowhere in the text. You will see in Genesis 9-1 that God blessed Noah's three sons, including Ham. And we know that what God blessed, no man can curse. When Noah woke up and saw what his younger son, the younger son does not mean Ham because Ham was not the youngest son. Noah had three sons. Shem was the oldest. Ham was the middle child. And Japheth was the, the younger son. So when the scripture says he cursed his younger son, saw what his younger son had done, it was not a reference to Ham. That word younger son is a reference to his grandson. Canaan was his grandson. And when he saw what his grandson had done, he cursed Cain. And many scholars believe that that curse was fulfilled when Joshua and the nation of Israel went into Canaan and overcame their Canaanites. So this lie about God 
cursing Ham, the father of black people, is a lie. Then they claim that black people were cursed to be inferior and subservient to whites. The word inferior means on a lower level. It means to be a lower class or a lower rank, inferior. Servile simply means that they're going to hold low positions in life and they're going to always be serving somebody else. And they said that they would be serving whites. There's nowhere in the scripture that it says that. And then they claim that the physical sign of the curse on black people was the black color of their skin. So now we wear, according to them, we wear a badge of inferiority. We wear a badge. And they say God cursed us with the color of our sins so that when people see us, they will know that the curse is on our and so some pe- on our skin. So some people they say, well, I don't see color, but they do see color. And we all see color. We all see color. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Okay. Ham means black. Ham, the word ham means black. It means Noah had a black boy. He had a black child. He had a a, a child, Japheth, who is the father of the Caucasian race. He had Shem, who is the father of the Jewish race. And he had Ham, the father. And all of them was his children. He had had a black child, which wonder what color was Noah. Well, that's beyond the point. Okay. What does this have to do with us? What did this have to do with us? Okay. Dr. C.I. Schofield. Schofield. I have here a Schofield Bible. It's my old Bible. My old Bible, Schofield Bible. Watch this. Dr. C.I. Schofield, born 1843 through and died in 1921, was an American theologian. He also served a brief time in the Confederate Army in the Civil War. So Dr. C.I. Schofield was an American theologian, a minister and writer, and is considered by some one of the most influential men in the evangel- in evangelical history. His reference Bible, say Bible, come on, say Bible. His reference Bible, published in 1909, became the standard for a generation of fundamentalist Christians. In his personal notes, and I can I can show you in the notes in the Bible, in his personal notes, this is a minister. This is an influential minister that influenced much of the evangelical world, a whole generation. Watch this. In his personal notes, page 16, note 5, he states, Christian minister, Genesis 9.25 is a prophetic declaration that from Ham, the father of the people of color, will descend an inferior and servile posterity. That's what Schofield preached. And he put it in his notes so that we would have it. So we still have it. And if you got a Schofield Bible, you can, you can check this out. Listen at this. So the Schofield Reference Bible gave statute and popularity 
to the entire evangelical world that black people were inferior and would operate in servile situations. Now, why, why is all that important? Why is it important to talk about that? Because racism is a generational curse. It's a what kind of curse? It's a generational curse. A generational curse is the sins and weaknesses and beliefs and programming and attitudes and tendencies are passed down from one generation to the next. Let me give you what a generational curse is. A generational curse, well, I'm trying to get to this. A generational curse means the sins, weaknesses, beliefs, programming, attitudes, and tendencies are passed down from one generation to the next. Generational curses are not broken by rhetoric. Generation curses are not broken by blacks getting together and eating lunch, although there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a part of it. But you cannot break generational curses apart from preaching and teaching. In Numbers 12:1, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, their brother, because he had married an Ethiopian woman, a black woman, generational curse. John 4, 9, the Samaritan asked Jesus, the woman at the well, why are you asking me for water? You know we do, the Jews don't have anything to do with the Samaritans. Why are you asking me for a drink? A generational curse. Acts chapter 10, God had to deal with Peter supernaturally, and we're going to talk about that. He had to deal with Peter supernaturally because Peter was a saved, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, called apostle of the Lamb, walked with Jesus, and he was a racist. Christians in America in the past were instigators, and white Christians were instigators and allies of slavery and segregation. And many Christians today are allies of ignorance and indifference. So the question is, how did we, how did we, how did we get here? How, how, how did we, how did we get here? Not unsaved people, not sinners. How, how, did, how did we get here? How did we get infected? High? And if the infection rate high, absolutely so high. It's just so high. It is, it is so high because of repression. It's so high because of we don't listen to each other. It's so high because of ignorance. It's so high because of surface talking. We just talk surface. Every counselor can tell surface talk from deep dialogue. And that's what we do. We do a lot of surface talking. There's no accountability. And the reason that we're here is because we have a branded Christianity. 
Christianity is a brand. We've turned it into a brand. We've turned it into a brand. How did we get here? We got here through generational racism. And that's when beliefs, attitudes, and false concepts of others are passed from one generation to another. Through teaching and modeling. How did we get here? We got here through environmental racism, when racism, beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors are shaped by one's environment and associations. How did we get here? We got here through institutional uh, race. We got here through institutional racism, where group behavior, government, churches, organizations, businesses are all influenced by the color of the skin. How did we get here? We got here through reactionary racism, responding to bias with bias. You hate me, I hate you. We have to understand, number one, that all white people are not racist. We have to understand that all police officers are not bad cops. So we have to have our minds renewed, black people, because if our minds are not renewed, we're just going to be full of hate. We're just going to have a whole lot of hate. You know, I was having a discussion with someone, black person, and this person said, you know, it's easy. They were saying, it's kind of easy to get over into hate when you've been mistreated over a long period of time. It's just kind of easy. But we can't afford to, we can't afford to hate. We, we just can't, we can't do it. We cannot afford to hate people. We cannot afford to hate people. We, black people, cannot afford to hate people. We can't even afford to hate our president. We can't afford to hate him. We got to love him. Let me explain it. Let me explain it. Because I know right there. You know, I teach on racism and stuff. And black folk get mad at me, white folk get mad at me. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have to throw it out there. We can't hate him. We have to love him because Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Help people. Okay. Now, what does that mean? That does, I'm not saying you have to vote for him. I'm not saying you should vote for him. I am saying that you can vote against him and still love him. Okay? I didn't say you should respect him. I didn't say you should respect our president. I said that you should love him. Now, I uh, love our president. I love him because Jesus told me to love him. But I don't respect him. I can't respect him. He won't allow me to respect him. He, he acts mean sometimes. He acts vindictive. And he's unkind. Very un- he's a very unkind man. There's, there's no compassion in him. So I can love him because Jesus told me. But I, I don't have to respect him because he won't allow me to respect him. And we, we have a challenge in our, our churches because, because whites celebrate, 
And you know, when I said whites and black, I ain't talking about all black people, I ain't talking about all uh, black people, all white people, but whites celebrate Donald Trump, our president. They celebrate him. They say he is the champion of Christianity. They say he's bringing Christianity back to uh, America. They said that he's the chosen one. Some people are actually saying that. And then eight out of 10 black people believe he's a racist. And it's easy to believe that he's a racist. I don't know whether he is or not, but it's easy to believe that he's a racist when he insults an entire ethnic group, an entire ethnic group, and call an entire ethnic group. Mexicans call them thieves and rapists, an entire ethnic group. He stands in front of all of us, all of us, and talk about African nations. He, call, he called them S-H-I-T-H-O-L-E countries. He said that in front of everybody. He said it in front of everybody. He said that in everybody. He told four black people of color in Congress to go back to where they came from. And three of them was born in America. He stood in Alabama, which has a legacy of racism. He stood in Alabama talking to a predominantly white rally, talking about African-Americans who are kneeling, and he called them SOBs. SOBs. I can't respect that. I love him because Jesus told me to love him. But I don't respect him at all. He's not respectful. He's a mean, mean. That's unkind. That's, that's, that's uncaring. That's insensitive. And it saddens me. It saddens me that white evangelical preachers will stand up by him and say, this is us. This is Christianity. This is what Christianity looks like. And then the, the, the black Christians say, listen, if that's what Christianity want is, I don't want Christianity. I don't want it. I don't want Christianity. So you got eight out of 10 black people thinking he's a racist, and then you got white people thinking he's the greatest thing ever happened. He even told us he's done more for us, more for us than any president since Lincoln. White people should challenge that because black people know that's a lie. Black people know that's not true. It can't be true. Lyndon Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson was enacted, pushed the enactment of the Civil Rights uh, Act in 1964 and the Voting Rights Act in 1965. That's a, it's a lie. It, I, 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 Listen, I'm trying to explain something. I'm trying to explain something. And I, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional. I'm getting a little emotional because it's offensive to me as a Christian who's been walking with the Lord for 40 years and to look at somebody and be insulting. And you tell, compare that person to Jesus. That's insulting to me. It's insulting, and it, I find it difficult sometimes to respect pastors who stand up by him and endorse that stuff and never say nothing about it.
Never say nothing, nothing. Don't say nothing. Tweet about how wonderful he is. Talk about how wonderful he is, but they don't hold him accountable. They should hold him accountable. But we've made Christianity a brand. Christianity have become a party. For black people and for white people, we have taken Christianity and we put it in the Democratic Party. We put Christianity in the Republican Party and the black folk over here and the white folk over here. So listen, listen to me, listen to me. Here is the roadblock to the vaccine. The moment we put Christianity in a party, and you got black folk over here and white folk over here, it's inherent division. You can't have anything but division because we made Christianity a party. Jesus is not a Republican. Jesus is not a Democrat. Jesus is not an independent. Jesus is transcendent. And he intended for the church to be transcendent so the church can speak in everything. Black, whites, red, yellows, brown people, Christians, raceless nation over here can speak into all these different issues. But what we did, we branded Christianity. And we made it a party. Now, listen to me, and I know I'm talking a long time. I know I'm talking a long time. We lost Christianity. We, we had a voice when you were here, when, we, when it's above parties. But the moment we branded Christianity and made it into a party, we lost our voice and we was left with a vote. So now all we got really, I hope you can hear spiritually what I'm saying. We don't have a voice, Christians, we have a vote. So everybody is trying to get our vote, but they don't want to hear our voice. They don't want to hear our voice. So is there a vaccine for us? Yes. But we have to know We have to understand the virus. How did we get here? We got here through lies. Jeremiah 16, 19 says, surely our fathers have inherited lies. We got here through darkness. Ephesians 4, 18 says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that was in them and the blindness of their hearts. Lack of understanding, ignorance, blindness. What's the, what's the vaccine preaching? It's preaching. Black pastors got to go in that pulpit and teach on racism, race, and relations. White pastors got to go in the pulpit and teach on race, relations, and racism. And then God will begin to confirm the word. The anointing will break the yoke. And we will raise up from just a vote to a voice. We will not brand our Christianity. We will get up above it. And then we'll have a voice. Wow. Talked a long time today. But I want to answer a few questions if I got some questions. Um, I do have some questions. <laughs> And the first one is Christ, is Christ divided? And that's what Paul asked that question. 
Paul asked that question uh, is, help me out here. If covering my, uh, okay, help me out here. Uh, okay, is Christ divided? That's what Paul asked in the book of Corinthians. No, he's not divided. That, that's what I was talking about. He ain't no Democrat. He ain't no Republican. He ain't no independent. And if we make him, listen, if we make Christ a Republican, then we can't reach the Democrats. And if we make him a Democrat, then we can't reach the Republicans. Uh, but isn't the separation of church in regards to black churches, white churches, something that was taught and ingrained, dating as far back as the implementation of slavery? Yes, it, it began there. That's why we needed to talk about, and I'm going to talk a little bit about slavery next week. How easy it is. How easy is it to break something so ingrained and passed down from generation to generation among Christians? Well, okay, I want to I want to recite that question again because it's 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 so insightful, and I'm I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to reiterate some things, but how easy is it to break something so ingrained and passed down from generation to generation amongst Christians? It is very difficult to answer the question. It is not impossible, and I believe that it ultimately will happen for this reason. Jesus prayed in John 17 that the church, that his people be one. He prayed that they be one. I'm banking on what he prayed. Okay. It's difficult because it's a generational curse. And it's a curse that have impacted whites and blacks. It's a stronghold. And that's why I say, us hugging each other, us uh, hanging out with each other, us eating lunch with each other, is not going to break a stronghold. I believe the only thing will break a stronghold is the word. I, I, I believe that there has to be some preaching because preaching will break it. But Satan has fought us hard to keep preaching on racism out of the church. He's fought us so hard. He don't want us to preach on racism. He don't want us to preach on racism. I'll tell you something that happened to me. I was planning this and preparing this, and, it, you know, I, I wasn't getting anywhere. I mean, I, I sat down, and, and, and two hours had gone past, and I, I, I couldn't get—I hadn't got past my— outline. I knew that there was some spiritual stuff going on. I stopped. I said, listen, I got to stop. And I, I, I went to prayer and I began to pray for the next 30 minutes. I just prayed the next 30 minutes because I knew spirits was fighting me. There are spirits of division that's fighting us in this area. And I prayed and then I went back in my office, sat down, and then I could, my thoughts would begin to flow. It is something that we... It, 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 it's, I, I said something. I want to I I get this across, and I, I want to get this across. The answer is in the Word. 
The word is the answer. Okay, watch this, watch this. I'm not talking, I'm talking about all pastors, all races, all right, black, white, red, yellow, brown. If you look at the average pastor's teaching catalog of list of sermon series they've taught, I submit to you, and if pastors would be honest, most of us have not done one series on race and racism in the church. Race and racism in the church. Not one series. Black people, black pastors got to teach their congregation. White pastors got to teach their congregation. And, and, and see, the reason why blacks struggle, listen carefully, it's going to sound like I'm being racist, but I'm not. I promise you I'm not. The reason why black Christians struggle with the Republican Party, let me explain it to you. I'm not a Democrat, Republican. The reason why black Christians struggle, one of the reasons, and I ain't speaking for all black people, I, I'm just saying, one of the reasons why black Christians struggle with the Republican Party is because Racism and the eradication of racism is not a part of the platform, and it never has been. Abortion is a part of the platform. Uh, against gay rights is a part of the platform. Israel is a part of the platform. But race is not a part of the platform, so you can't trust a party that don't even deal with it, don't even believe it exists, don't believe in institutional racism, they don't believe in white privilege, they don't believe, they, they, they. some white people make the mistake of thinking that their experience is black people's experience. And so if my experience is their experience, then the playing field is level. So we don't need to talk about it. We don't need to preach about it because it don't even exist. We need to talk against gays. We need to talk against homosexuals. We need to talk against abortion. We need to talk about it, but we don't talk about that race thing. So the, the word is the answer. Do you, do you believe that blacks have been taught to self-hate? Do us, do we believe we have been taught that white water, <laughs> that white water tastes better and don't recognize it? Well, listen, next week, I'm going to answer that question. I'm going I'm to get into that question because I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about slavery and Christianity. And some blacks don't trust Christianity because of of, of slavery. So I got to talk about slavery, got to talk about Christianity, and then I'm going to talk about black self-hate. Okay, where did that come from? Because I do believe that that's a problem we got. I, black people don't like it. Some black people don't like black people. Okay, so we got to talk about that, and let me hurt some people's feelings. And then we got to talk about white folk looting. See, the white folks said they looting talk about breaking in stores, but we got to talk about white folk looting. So yeah, we, we, we get into that, but you know, you pray for, pray for me, pray for me. Um, uh, as Christians and believers of Jesus, why is it so hard to stand on the new commandment 
to love uh, because our minds haven't been renewed. And we have a brand of Christianity. It's a brand. It's not for pure Christianity. It's a brand. Real Christianity is love. It's all over the place. And, and, and some people may think I was kind of lambasting our president. I wasn't president. I wasn't lambasting it. I was talking about he ain't walking in love. He's not walking in love. So that, that's all I was doing. Are the pastors hearing from God? I don't know. Well, well, let me say this. Are the pastors hearing from God? Well, I don't think we are hearing from God. We branded Christianity. It's a brand. Okay. But I can't, I can't talk about them pastors. I have to talk about this pastor. Okay, and I think every pastor has to start looking at themselves. For example, here's what the Spirit of God said to me. Here's what God said to me. He said it needs to be dealt with. He told me racism needs to be dealt with. That's why I start teaching black racism in the church. Say sanctified and prejudice, uh, the black man a biblical view. Uh, when color doesn't matter, that's the reason I start teaching on it. Cause God told me that racism needs to be dealt with. Now, so now when I hear anybody say, ain't no white privilege, ain't no systemic racism, I know that they ain't praying, they ain't talk to God, they ain't spent time with God. Anybody who would say that there's no white privilege, no racism, no systemic, I know that person may mean well, that person may be a Christian, but that person has not spent time with God. God told me it needs to be dealt with. But then he said something sobering to me, to Mike Moore. He said, don't you be prejudiced. Okay, let me tell you how I can hear that. Okay. Don't you be prejudiced. Don't you. That's what God told me. Don't you be prejudiced. Okay. Now, I can take that like, I'm not prejudiced. So I got to keep that out of my life. Or I can take it like when God talked in scripture, he said, flee fornication because they were fornicating. He said, don't do this because they were doing it. I can also take that like there was some prejudice in me that I needed to get out of me. There was some prejudice in me that I needed to get out of me. Because like someone said, it's easy. When you experience this stuff, it's easy to become bitter and resentful. So I think all of us have to look at ourselves and be honest with ourselves. And that's why I don't like surface talk. I don't like we're going to hang together and we're going to pray with each other. And I don't like that. I don't like that. If we're not going to preach it, if we're not going to talk about it, if we're not going to be courageous and stand in front of our congregations and teach it, not talk about it, teach it, then to me, we, we're playing games. Uh, Pastor Mike, do you think we have to choose a side? That's a, that's, a, that's a great question. That's a great question. That's a, that's a great question. Um. 
Um, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. And the reason I don't know the answer to that is when we branded Christianity and we made it a party, then it forced us to choose sides. And um, it's sad to me because that's why we're on spiritual respirators and we can't we can't lead. We we can't talk, we can't talk about equality. Not the church. Church can't. And if if we don't get ourselves together, God gonna do what he's gonna do. He'll just raise up another generation. He has a historical track record. And God will use unsaved people until he can get his family together. But he, he, he can raise up another generation, another generation of people who are serious about Christianity, not branded Christianity, not a brand. Um, he, can, he can raise up somebody else. Somebody said, we have branded Christianity, so how do we change the perception? Uh, we change the perception by being strong. I, I, I believe everything is in the Word. God spoke to me and said, the Word is the answer. The Word is the answer. The Word is the answer. I think it's going to take the Word and prayer because when you pray, really pray and spend time with God, you end up judging yourself. You know, when God said to me, don't be prejudiced, it forced me to look on the inside of me. Okay, Mike, look on the inside of you. And sometimes we justify our prejudice Blacks justify their prejudice. We got a right to, we got a right to hate you because you're mistreating us. So we justify it. We don't hold ourselves accountable. I'm talking about black people don't. And then white people don't hold themselves accountable because they say it don't exist. You know, you ain't no, ain't no, ain't no not let it exist. And so I do my best, y'all. Just <laughs> do my best. Next week, we're going to talk about slavery, Christianity, black self-hate, and white folk looting. Thank you so much. <laughs>